previously on X-Men. Welcome, dear listeners, to a realm where ordinary becomes extraordinary, where the misunderstood become heroes, and where unity conquers adversity. This is the world of mutants, the world of the X-Men. Join us as we delve deep into the stories that have captured the hearts and minds of generations. From the gripping battles of the animated series to the live-action films, this is Exposition, an X-Men podcast, Excelsior! Welcome to Exposition, an X-Men podcast. My name is Jennifer Smith, and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Capel, on the journey of a lifetime. How are you, Tim? Ooh, it's a journey a long time coming, Jenny. Are you ready to get experienced? I'm ready for people to experience the exposition. Yes, I love it. I love it right here on the Jenny position, right? Coming to you by way of the North-South Connection. Jenny, um, I love the X-Men. Do you love the X-Men? I am obsessed with the X-Men for some reason. Okay. That's a good start for this uh, this type of endeavor, I feel like. Um, you know, I think people maybe would have expected, um, and if they're not totally up on current events or not paying attention, they might think... Uh, they're getting a uh, Pluto. You heard about Pluto here on the Jenny position, but mm-hmm. um, as you know, uh, and as everyone listening should know, you had to wind that show down, um, which you talked about in the, mm-hmm. the last episode of that that was put out there. Um, however, I think it's rather appropriate that uh, you have, shall we say, replaced um, Pluto on the calendar for your uh, Jenny position, North-South commitments with an X-Men show because the the show we're going to be talking about for this, our, our, what, what I would consider a special sneak preview of what this mm-hmm. show is actually going to be, it was something that was commissioned as itself a replacement for something else. But uh, more on that as we get into it here. Um, so yeah, Jenny- like I've been really um, wanting to, honestly, honestly, the what I wanted to do was to watch all of the X Men films um, with you right. specifically, um, and mm-hmm. to basically just talk about them. I, you know, we don't have to rank them or like really re- 
view them. I just, I just have always loved the XO movies in whatever form. I mean, it's, it's hit or miss in some cases, but, mm-hmm. uh, but then when we started talking about it, I, I know that the new version of the X-Men animated series is coming up very soon. And yes. part X-Men of me really, yeah. it really wanted to revisit the original animated series because I loved it when I was a kid. And um, I remember some of it, which is weird for me because I don't remember much uh, from media <laughs> as a kid. Um, so I'm not saying I don't remember a lot, but I remember some. Uh, but I have a real soft spot for the animated series. And mm-hmm. you are the most knowledgeable and obsessive X-Men fan that I know, minus the movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? It's, right. Yeah. I didn't want to subject you... you to a pure movie review mm-hmm. format, so what we did was we merged the two. And we did. we're going to talk yes. about the animated series, and we are also going to talk about the movies. And I'm excited. Yeah, so all that is to say, why not both, right? Um, I think you're a little bit more enthusiastic about the movies. I... I don't hate them. Um, let's let's just say I have somewhat mixed feelings. Um, mm-hmm. Largely, just due to the fact that you know my background pro- primarily comes from the comics. Like I'm a huge comics nerd, ride or die when it comes to X Men. So of course I'm going to have very strong, um, very probably nitpicky opinions, um, mm-hmm. as they would maybe be considered by other people. But um, I know you'd been wanting to do something with the movies. Um, but yeah, it seemed like there's a good opportunity to tie in with the relaunch, the sequel, if you will, mm-hmm. of that classic 1990s animated series, um, coming soon to Disney plus X-Men 97, which I would say I adore, um, more so than the movies. I, I really, um, I, I really got into that animated series, uh, much like you, so it's like let's just merge these these two ideas together, where we're primarily going to be covering the animated series. We're we're going to go um, through every episode. So uh, sometimes we'll be covering two episodes a show, two mm-hmm. episodes per podcast. Sometimes just one if there's um, just a lot of meat to it, a lot to get into. Um, so you'll get used to that cadence, and we will uh, work in the movies as well. Every few episodes we'll we'll drop a special on you talking about the films. We'll just go, I feel like chronologically, right? What, yes. what other way to, yes. to do it? I, I'm so, so excited. I, I love our multimedia um, venture here um, between right. animation, which is something that I haven't really talked about a lot in podcast form, but I really love animation, especially mm-hmm. there's a lot of nostalgia around this particular show. And, um, I think that I, I'm not sure. I, I, maybe the maybe the strike has had some effect on the release mm. date of uh, X Men '97, but yeah, um, maybe originally was supposed to be pretty soon to come yeah, out. Yeah, like but, fall. I want to say right. fall of uh, 2023. It's it's looking more like that's going to be. I'm hearing January. Um, okay, which is not well. That's terrible. fine because yeah. it'll take us a minute to get through this. So yeah. I like how it lines up. I do too. And um, we should mention we um, 
boy, have we gotten a lot of support for this show. Even before yeah, it started. Yeah. I don't know how else to put that. Like, I don't, <laughs> well, it's one of those not the we got crowdsourced into a podcast, is what happened. We did. We, as soon as it was kind of even mentioned, well, maybe something with X Men, it was like, Everyone was was raising their their hand, not only to signal interest, but um, perhaps participation as well. <laughs> so right. We're just going to say that uh, this show, I think, I would think of you and I as the anchors. We are going to be as much as possible, you know, on every episode of this show that you hear. Um, but we're going to be joined. We can't do it alone. We're 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 going to be joined along the way by, I would say, a panel of rotating hosts. I don't know what else to call it. Um, we're not going to have, I wouldn't even say guests because we are going to have the same folks sort of over and over, just not on every episode necessarily. Um, but we will be joined by, by some others in tow, but, um, that will be in our first episode proper. Um, here it's just you and I, again, I think of it as a a sneak peek to what we're going to be doing. Um, because this is not talking about, uh, the X-Men animated series from 1992, nor any of the movies. This is an altogether different animal. <laughs> um, and I want to know if you had any prior experience with uh, with this special, this, I guess, pilot known as Pride of the X-Men. No, I, I didn't know anything about Pride of the X-Men, but um, it is available on YouTube, so you can watch it on yes. there. It's it's super mm-hmm. quick watch, like 22 minutes, uh, so it's yep. not, not a big deal. If you haven't seen it, you want to throw it on. Um, if you are a fan of the original series, the uh, some of the things might be a little bit uh, jarring. <laughs> uh, we will get into it, but uh, don't expect the same quality uh, <laughs> of theme music and or uh, uh, fucking voice acting. Voice talent, yes. Yes. (laughs) There are some quite unique uh, choices made Mm -hmm. in voice acting. There are. We'll we'll get into that. But then there are also some really super charming aspects of this little prequel. Um, How did this I'm glad you found that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I actually ended up really liking this a lot, even though it's good. It ends up being it truly feels like a prequel in every sense of the word knowing what i know about the animated series this definitely hits all those we're just trying shit out uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) markers mm -hmm. but there's a lot of cute quirks in it that i really like um so i'm really super happy to talk about it it's it's very much a a prototype for for what's gonna come later and um, it's it's hard to talk about this. Um, I want to get into just how this thing came about a little bit, based on just some some of my own knowledge, some some um, research I've been doing, and some reading I've been doing, particularly uh, from a book. It is called uh, "Previously on X Men." So that should be a phrase very familiar to people mm-hmm. who are fans of the show. Um, it is a book that was written by. Um, Eric Lewald, who under probably today's television model, he would be considered like the showrunner, okay, of, mm-hmm. of the series. So in 2017, he wrote a book, which is sort of, in some ways, it feels like an oral history um, of the anime. Oral, 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 an oral history. Yeah, <laughs> it's his, yeah, this will be an oral history. Uh, 
it's it's his recollections um interviews with other people just a lot of great great background information for people who um loved and were fans of the show and of course he he gets into um you know this was not the first time we had tried to do the x-men in animation there were previous efforts and some of the people who were involved in the making of pride of the x-men would go on to later serve in in a creative capacity on x-men the animated series so it's got that same dna right um but it is it is difficult to talk about uh, this pilot without talking about and giving credit to uh margaret lesh who she had been championing the concept of doing the x-men in animation for like the better part of a decade um she was a an executive for hanna barbera uh, in the 70s, struck up a friendship with Stan Lee during her time with that company. Um, Stan Lee had moved out to Hollywood, essentially, uh, no longer affiliated with the, you know, the day-to-day comics production at, uh, at Marvel. Um, he was more so their official or unofficial cheerleader i would say uh and mm-hmm. spokesman for the company it's it's hard to say exactly what his his duties were at that point other than trying to sell um marvel properties uh, to hollywood and so um you know they they had worked together a little bit struck of a friendship and stan introduced margaret lesh to marvel's highest selling comic book series that being at the time the uncanny x-men and she was immediately taken with that concept you know just in the idea of of these characters who are um, very alienated disenfranchised persecuted well that naturally connects to a lot of kids right especially like teenagers what teenager doesn't feel like they're put upon by the world and some Mm -hmm. kind of outsider and othered in some way so she just saw that it seemed like it would it would be a perfect fit for children's animation didn't see why someone else hadn't grabbed this up already but um she was not very successful and uh in trying to to bring this to air um she eventually became the president and ceo of marvel productions in 1984 now jenny marvel Productions should not be considered or should not be confused with Marvel Studios today. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I, would, I would guess not. <laughs> yes, it was a it was a little bit. I don't want to say, you know, a, a rinky dink outfit because mm-hmm. they they did have their successes. They they were involved and they were behind things like um, in house productions like Spider Man, Spider Man and his Amazing Friends. There was an Incredible Hulk um, cartoon. Those were early eighties. Um, but they were mostly known and successful in their non-Marvel properties. So you you would see them behind uh, shows like G.I. Joe, um, Muppet Babies, Transformers, My mm-hmm. Little Pony, all these 80s cartoons, right? At the end of it, you would see like the big Marvel Productions logo and like a, a, spot, a stylized Spider-Man swinging into frame and it's like a freeze frame on Spider-Man. I think everybody's kind of who grew up in the eighties was probably familiar with that, mm-hmm. that logo at the end of a lot of these series. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they certainly had their successes and they had packaged a, a block of syndicated programs called the Marvel action universe. And that ran from 
1988 to 1991. Um, primarily just reruns of those shows. Again, like Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk. Um, even the late 70s Spider-Woman, which is Ooh. sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, there is a, a 70s uh, Fantastic Four cartoon, the new Fantastic Four with Herbie the Robot in place of uh, the Human Torch. And that was <laughs> something. Um, they had uh, Defenders of the Earth, which is kind of a mishmash of, of like pulp characters. Um, but it was it was supported by first run animated shows as well. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Dino Riders. Um, no. It's, it's hard to explain. It was, um, this, yeah, the sci-fi thing with dinosaurs but outfitted with like cybernetics so that it, they nice. it was yeah it was a lot um it was short-lived but it was I, I do remember that being a thing for a little while in the 80s and finally as part of again this marvel action universe you had uh robocop <laughs> so of course your favorite of course, my favorite the <laughs> young tim campbell's favorite I you know what I have never seen the RoboCop cartoon. Wow. Um, but we we are literally talking about yes, the hard R action satire <laughs> film RoboCop turned into a children's uh, cartoon. Of course it was. Because money. Was just, yeah, well that was the tradition at the time, right? Like Rambo got a cartoon. Everything did. Um yeah, there was a Chuck Norris cartoon thing for boys. Um it was just like they didn't care. They didn't fucking care because they knew that all right, these movies are not for kids, but look, kids are gonna see them anyway, right? Kids kids are gonna see and love these movies. So why don't we just create something that is actually for kids mm -hmm. so we can continue that money train knowing that they're seeing it anyway? So why not? Um, is that how X-Men came about? Well, um, Yes, in a roundabout way, because I'm afraid to tell you, Jenny, that RoboCop the cartoon uh, was not terribly successful, <laughs> oh, if you no. can believe it. I, yeah. I don't at all. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they had a 13-episode order of this series, and they got 12 episodes in and realized um, this show is not long for the world. It's <laughs> essentially already been canceled, so... <laughs> Why don't we? Why don't we just scrap that thirteenth no, episode? Just gonna move along. We don't. Yeah, we don't need to really do. Nobody's watching it anyway. Um, we'll we'll just take that money that we had budgeted to to make RoboCop episode thirteen and and put that towards something different. And um, a little bit of creative accounting there on our Mar Margaret Lesh's part, I suppose. But boy, she she'd been. She had been beating the drum for X-Men, right? Wanting mm -hmm. to do something with X-Men and animation. She said, you know what? I'm going to use that money to make an X-Men pilot. Yes. And lo and behold, <laughs> the demise of RoboCop, the animated series, from its ashes are born X-Men. Pride of the X-Men, to be specific. And, wow, that's that's pretty creative when you take um, some money that that's supposed to be intended for for a continuing series and just build something right from the ground up right starting from scratch here um so now 
with pride Definition of, the of a band girl for real i know look at the yeah i mean this is this is clearly something like we would not be here today talking about x-men this Anything. pilot an animated series probably not the movies mm-hmm. um if, if not for this one network executive who was just like no i am determined whether it, it you know sink or swim we're gonna get x-men on television hell yeah and um so now this gives her a finished product, right? That she can she can now sell, not just pitching an idea, but saying, look, here's what I put together to these network executives. Um, and that's pretty much serving as proof of con- concept, right? So you can't get much better than that. So uh, rather than on <laughs> September 16th, 1989, getting RoboCop episode 13, we now have the premiere of Pride of the X-Men, executive produced by Margaret Loesch, part of the Marvel Action Universe here again. Um, Unfortunately, Jenny, Mm -hmm. the Marvel Action Universe was not carried by, again, it was just a syndicated block, um, had pretty limited distribution from what I could Mm -hmm. find. It was not carried on any networks in my market, so I never saw any of this stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, ne- never saw Pride of the X-Men at the time, um, back in, you know, 89, never saw any of the, the subsequent re-airings, which they did rerun it um, infrequently. I only became aware of this, uh, the existence of this thing, like, after the launch of, of X-Men, the animated series, again, you know, in the 90s. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see it from, and that was just from people kind of talking about it. Um, there was also the, you, you might remember the X-Men arcade game from Konami, the -hmm. big, um, Mm -hmm. four, four to six player arcade cabinet that was always really popular, uh, side scrolling, beat em up type game, just a really addictive, awesome, awesome arcade game and just swallowed quarters, right? (laughs) Um, couldn't get enough of it. I mean, all of the the character designs, the character models from that come straight out of Pride of the X-Men, you know, Mm -hmm. same, Mm -hmm. same X-Men lineup. Um, There's even cutscenes in the game where it's like animation in the style of of this um, pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a um, Magneto, like kidnaps Kitty Pride. And so it's kind of, you know, kind of tells the story through through that um through that kind of narrative approach and i mean that i'm trying to think when that arcade game was introduced it was like 91 or 92 so it's kind of like why like you know with the x-men animated series starting up it was like why are they like why the characters look so different and (laughs) who's dazzler (laughs) right like you know like it's just uh, like, all right, Colossus, Nightcrawler, they're not even in the X-Men anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of bizarre. It was, it was like, where mm-hmm. is this coming from? And I think that's well, where I must have learned that, oh, it's based on this earlier, like, cartoon that never went to series. Right. So, um, so let's get into uh, episode zero. Episode zero, for, for lack of a better turn here, right? Um. So yeah, eventually, uh, I think I rented this from a 
like a video world, you know, in 1993 mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. when it actually became available to me just for the sake of curiosity. I was told it wasn't very good, but you and I might have different feelings on that. So right away, we, um, we are pounded with, um, in character introductions just from the jump. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of, um, really what honestly because i've never seen this it threw me off sure. that it did not have the iconic theme music to start oh, okay. um <laughs> it, which i don't know why i else, thought it though. would but it does have <laughs> something it has something else um another version but actually kind of banger uh mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i actually ended up kind of liking it but it is definitely not um, what I wanted to hear, yeah, totally wanted to jam out on that, but I will be jamming out on that for the rest of the series. So we we um, will have, yeah, I will we, allow. We, it. we will have our our day, yes. But um, this is the X Men's day, uh, because this <laughs> the theme song to this has lyrics. Um, it does. It's corny. It's, it's very corny. It's, it's so very cheeseball. Yes. But it's also like an earworm. It like really. It's, it's kind of a bop. <laughs> you will hear it in your head like the rest. You of will. Day. It's so goofy. Um. So yeah, we we kick off with that. Um. It, it's also a very like. You should be prepared for like a an extremely. 80s animation style in terms yes. of this is what action cartoons looked like yes. back then it is I it is like for it. i do too to be it honest it's cool yeah. to me like i i, I, I love so. this animation mm -hmm. style it is what i grew up with it is what looks right to me like it feels yeah. right to me like this is what animation looks like and it, yep. i mean honestly it's it's so outdated but it sort of holds up if if you're it's, into that mm -hmm. sort of style it holds up and then you get the awesome uh narration from stanley ah <laughs> uh, yes we sure do episode, yep. which i was not expecting it was totally charmed by yeah I, I think he wanted to do that it was sort of his his way of being involved in any of these these new marvel animated properties he was just he was so eager like he he just wanted mm -hmm. to to put his stamp on these things in whatever capacity he could. And I, I know that um, it's one of those like bless your heart type of things. Um, he, he was definitely like listened to and ignored a lot of the times. It was like, <laughs> okay, we have to consult with Stan because all of this is ultimately, this all comes from, from Stan. Like we wouldn't be here, you know, if not for him. However, um, just, just kind of humor him. Don't like, don't, let him actually um get any of his his ideas in this because it's just that's that's not gonna work um mm -hmm. so i think that this was just their way of <laughs> excuse me involving him mm -hmm. uh because he does get this and he's kind of racing through it because it's a he does it is it's, yeah it's a somewhat it's a wordy, it's a somewhat yeah. wordy uh, <laughs> voiceover to begin this but episode it, but it's so stan lee like you it know is. it's just so yeah. him um yeah. and so like it's not unnecessary like it's he's the pt bottom of comics, you know? <laughs> it's expository for sure yep yeah he tells us about it. you know 
But a lot struggle. of this episode is expository. <laughs> it has to be, right? Just because it, it basically does. Yes. It it has so much ground to cover. Um but um yeah, I'm like right away thinking from from that opening scene with uh Magneto being transported by the military. Yes. I'm like, oh, it, this is kind of like a GI Joe episode. It, it did <laughs> look very like. GI Joeish. <laughs> um, Until so the White out. Queen shows up. Emma the White Frost. Queen shows up. Emma yes. Frost. Yes, she's she's going to spring him. Uh, jailbreak here. Um, her powers are. I'm not going to say that um, making people think that they're sinking into quicksand is, is not in her repertoire, um, mm. but it's almost presented as more like a form of illusion casting, it you is. know, which is not really what she does. She's just a telepath. Um, I was wondering about that. Yeah, if I was so she, misinterpreting her powers based on this no. episode. It, I think it's left vague enough that it's like, well, I mean, a telepath could do that, but it's, it doesn't tell us that that's what's going on. It just makes it seem like she's, it, it basically is giving her the powers of like a mastermind who, who mm-hmm. truly is an illusion caster. Um, so but I don't I've know. I've never attributed that to her ever. So yeah, no, it's, it's definitely well, a little maybe. bit. Maybe It's a little bit of creative life. In one of the movies, she does something like that. Yeah. Where... I mean, it's, yeah it's not outside of the realm of what she would be able Mm -hmm. to do it's just a like if she's a psych if she's a very powerful telepath which she is i mean it's just as why wouldn't she just make them all go to sleep right (laughs) why does it have to be this oh we're seeing things and we gotta run away like and so like it's yeah for the podcast because i thought about this because we get so many characters in this episode Mm -hmm. and, and and you could do an episode per character that we're going to learn about. So we'll be kind of going through like this core group of the X-Men. Right. Like, right. uh, And and they all get their shine as far as this guy does this and this chick does this, but (laughs) we will like, if you're not already familiar with the X-Men, this is where I would say like, wikipedia um if you if you want like a visual reference and you don't have one and sure um because like we just like we can't really i think over the course of the podcast we will break them down character wise Mm -hmm. but in in a zero episode you can't really do that so yeah it's really just introducing you to the world and i think a lot of even pretty casual fans will know most of these names, if not all. Dazzler probably yeah. not, but I was gonna say, so yeah, it's it's an odd it's kind of an odd, odd bunch of X-Men here. But I mean it is. within the first five minutes, we 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 meet Magneto, we meet White Queen, Professor X, Kitty Pride, the X-Men themselves, which more on that in a minute, what their powers are, Cerebro, the danger room. <laughs> And the very concept yes. of mutants. I mean, they totally just throw you into this yeah. world. There is no completely immersive, uh-huh. which I kind of enjoyed, honestly. Like, which I I have a basis of reference for it, so I'm not as thrown. Um, mm-hmm. But like, if I try to imagine me as a kid, you know what I watching this episode you know going what yeah right <laughs> who 
it, but they explain it very well. They 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 just hit the high points on what everybody mm-hmm. does, and they just movie right right through the story. It's they, like a they comic do, book, yeah. And it, it does the things that a pilot has to do. Like you exactly. got to do the bare minimum in introducing. Mm-hmm. So even though that does run the risk of bogging down the story, it's like, mm-hmm. look, we got. 22 minute. This is a cool 22 minute. Long. It's Super like quick. not even and it longer. It moves yeah. along, buddy. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not even it's longer. A lot of than, information. Yeah. The the length of a regular episode of of the series. It's it's exactly the same runtime. So you're like, you got to accomplish a lot in that 22 minutes. We're do. talking. I thought they really did it really well. I, I would say. Perhaps they didn't need to include right. no shortage was of 15, 15 named characters, okay, from the <laughs> comics in this. Maybe, maybe they were biting off a little more than they could chew, but. Okay, let's name all the, the X-Men that we saw in, yeah, in this. Right. So the team. So the, the core X-Men team, you've got Professor X, who, who, by the way, this is Professor X in the the an actual wheelchair with you know a little yes. comfy blanket yes. over his lap. He's not Classic in the hover chair. Version. Yes. <laughs> right. He's yes. not in the hover chair that you will you will maybe picture him in from mm-hmm. the the later animated series, which you know we'll we'll get acquainted with that as well. Um so we got him, we've got Cyclops, we've got Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Dazzler, um, good question and mark. Because Kitty Pride, Pride is our, our newest the way. recruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like um, seeing things through her eyes. Learning. She is our point of view character, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, I I can tell you this. I mean, this story isn't particularly inspired by any one like uh comic. Okay, uh, I had that question issue too. or yeah. plot. Yeah. No, it um. I guess the closest comparison you could make is when um, Kitty first joined the team, like first arrived at the mansion um, in the comic. She was she was 13 years old. I, I don't think she's meant to be that young in this, mm-hmm. but who knows? They don't they don't tell us one way or another. Um, but that issue, which was Uncanny X Men 138, if you want to be specific. Um, that issue was mostly devoted to Jean Grey's funeral. And oh, shit. <laughs> it ends with Cyclops being very grief-stricken and leaving the team. So it's like, oh, shit. all right, we're going to some very different places here. And Jean um, Grey ain't even in this episode. And Jean Grey is not even here. Because although this is a somewhat faithful interpretation of, I would say, that late 70s, early 80s roster of X-Men. Um, pretty similar in terms of their their character designs. I think artistically, it owes a lot to the artist um, Paul Smith. Um, if anyone's familiar with with his short short lived run as artist for X Men, these characters really look a lot like his his designs here. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's sort of like other than. It seems like they swapped out Gene slash Phoenix for Dazzler. Yes, I noticed um, that as well. Because if you had included Gene, then that, I mean, would have been that late 70s mm-hmm. X-Men team, like, to a T, um, including Kitty. Like, she, you know, she joins at the tail end of that, really. Gene mm-hmm. dies, but mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. really is 
that very very iconic uh, X Men roster. So I, I don't I couldn't tell you the the reason why Gene is not in this. Um, maybe they just don't want to deal with you know, her Phoenix whole stuff. deal. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot. She, she it's really a lot. With, yeah. Which I don't know. Like you don't have to get into all that in the pilot, right? You can well, just have her, but right. I'll tell you what it is. I I think it's um, Dazzler was a member of the then contemporary version of the X Men in 1989 when this would have been mm-hmm. released. Um, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, also a part of the then current X Men team. So I think they wanted to have at least some connection to what the X-Men looked like in the comics. Um, Mm -hmm. And they all, like Marvel also always wanted Dazzler to be a thing. I know that sounds weird, but. I want Dazzler to be a thing. We're going to bring her back. I kind of do too. I kind of do too, to be honest with you. Um, I'm a low-key Dazzler stan. I'm a a mark for her, yeah. Yeah, she, um, she has such a bizarre creation, which itself, to your point, Jenny, could easily be its own podcast episode. Right. But um, in a nutshell, she she was a joint creation between Marvel. Talk about joint. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of things being smoked in the room. I think when, when they came <laughs> up with this, because it was Marvel collaborating with Casablanca Records to uh, create the first. She was meant to be like a crossover. Um, musical act, celebrity slash superhero comic book oh, character. Yeah, so they were going to do all this like, yeah, all this like crossover shit where she would appear in the comics. What she did, she she first appeared in like, um, nineteen seventy nine, eighty, somewhere thereabouts. It was during the Dark Phoenix saga in X Men mm-hmm. as just a a guest star. Basically, it's like, yeah, a hot new character. The Disco Dazzler. That was her gimmick. She was a disco, disco performer. Oh yep. my God. Disco and it's dying day. So they missed the mark on that completely. Um, it was like, oh shit. Now we've got to gotta come up with a new gimmick for this character because no one cares about Disco anymore. Um, but she was also going to have like a... There's going to be a, a... I think a feature film that Bo Derek was attached to at one point. Um I think they wanted to do like a variety show. You know how these networks did those shitty, corny variety shows in the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s? Mm-hmm. I think there was an idea to do something like that with actual celebrities who were contracted by Casablanca Records. Um, so it was just, it was this multimedia like experiment that never took off. Um, but there's this idea that Dazzler could always be something other than a comic book character mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And by the and she 80s, was barely she, that basically she so. was barely <laughs> exactly right. She was barely that um, it kept trying to make Dazzler happen. <laughs> they kept trying to make Dazzler yeah. happen. Exactly. Exactly. And as close as she got was probably in the eighties when uh, mm-hmm. she did actually join the X-Men. She did look like this. I mean, the way that she looks in this pilot is, is that's the costume she wore. Um, as a member of the X-Men in uh, the, the late 80s here. So, again, pretty faithful to these these character designs. But um, let's talk about the voice acting a little bit. Oh, boy. Because, okay. Yeah. So, um, hmm. uh, really, 
across the board was pretty okay, except for Kitty Pride, who I thought her voice was too childlike. I know she's supposed mm-hmm. to be our point of view character and she's very overwhelmed most of the time although she tore you know like middle episode she really mans up and she's really brave but mm-hmm. her voice tends to be a tad shrill and annoying Ooh, for me yeah um which is fine but then <laughs> when i heard wolverine <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was the worst Australian accent I've ever heard, yep. and that includes mine, which is terrible. And mm-hmm. it, was, mm-hmm. it, oh, what, what, who is this, and what the fuck were they thinking? You were not prepared not, for. You were not prepared for Australian Wolverine. Oh, I can't even do it. Like I tried to like. I mean, it's it's really that kind of like it's so over the top, very bad, very and, and very as you bad. said, yeah, worse than you or I doing a, a bad oh. imitation of an Australian accent. And we are not professional voice actors, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I know it's hard the, to believe, but yes, the person who did voice Wolverine, uh, is not Australian, by the way, so also doing an obviously, but, yes. You would think uh, that would be maybe a sight better than what we would come up with, and I'm afraid it isn't. Um, I I can't really explain. I've never gotten an a, a satisfactory answer as to why Wolverine is Australian in this thing, and it's not without precedent, by the way. This so uh, going back to the early '80s. Um, there's a I mentioned the show Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. Well, briefly, the the titular amazing friends were Iceman and Firestar. Um they were of course mutants. So it just made sense that okay, let's let's have the, you know Spidey's amazing friends are themselves mutants. Let's uh let's do something with the X-Men in this mm-hmm. show. So you had the X-Men guest starring in uh that series and um Team lineup kind of similar to this. There's no Dazzler, regrettably, um, but we do have we do have in that the the Native American character Thunderbird, who uh, inexplicably oh. um, has the mutant ability to transform into a bear. Uh, not his oh, mutant shit. power from the comics, by the way. Um, scary as hell. But that's in there for some reason. But um. Yeah, that includes Wolverine, and guess what? Even in that early '80s effort, he has an Australian accent. Um, yeah, no, it so does not work. Maybe they just got the idea that oh, well, because of that, he must be Australian. I mean, the X Men mm. comics definitely had these weird. Chris Claremont, who was writing all these comics, always he wrote the dialogue phonetically, so it. In, he would try to, as much as possible, reproduce these accents on the page, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. which leads to some kind of weird voices in your head, potentially, as you're reading. Agreed, yes. Um, so maybe somebody just got the idea that he was meant to be Australian from his speaking pattern. Uh, I've also heard that just 
because there was this like Australia fad, like the Crocodile Dundee movies were popular. And that is true. I did think of that, honestly. Yeah. And like you had the Mad Max movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I'm like, oh, I, I know. Australian accent was kind of just kind of coming into Catching on, right? yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree on that. It, it did feel like that's what they were trying for on this, but just that's what I've been told. Mark, it was yeah. so bad. Um, some some high points I thought. Uh, Professor X sounded like Professor. I, yeah, X. I think he sounds good. Yeah, totally good. Um, I like yeah. Storm. Storm, um, I thought sounded really close. She to, was excellent. Yeah, to what you would hear in the actual the the '90s animated series. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I, I like had to check to see if it was the same uh, voice actress, which it is not. Um, but she was pretty close to what we would later get from her i thought um cyclops doesn't get a lot of dialogue but what he does i think is good yeah it sounds reasonably cyclops-ish i guess um nightcrawler ends up being a pretty big character in this episode mm-hmm. and i think that it was pretty good i think what is he romanian he's german yeah german okay so yeah i think that 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 was good it sounded good for him yeah, you got Colossus and Nightcrawler. They've got the, mm-hmm. I guess, sort of stereotypically Russian and Just, German accents. Yeah, but right. it's, again, what you'd expect. It's not like, Nothing. it's not like you're going, what? Why do they sound like that? You yeah. Know? It's not a Wolverine situation. By that, any means. Wolverine's the only one that just absolutely took me out. Yeah, that's nuts. I thought Magneto was pretty decent. Um, Magneto was good. At least this version of Magneto, mm-hmm. because this is a, I mean, this is an out and out straight up villain asshole dickhead magnet like this is not of course this is silver age magneto this yeah, is yeah. not the there was who... no ambiguity as <laughs> no, to what no. magneto was he was full on villain mustache twirling um, villain yeah and he has um, uh he has his henchmen so he's got yes, juggernaut his... along mm-hmm. with him um with uh emma frost who else yep. does he have uh toad toad uh, he's got Pyro and he's got Pyro the blob and the blob. Um, the blob, not super familiar with that character. Um, yeah, um, but he looks like a just a blob person, so um, it's pretty self explanatory. His, uh, his mutant power, you would think it has something to do with him being a, a great big fat guy. Um, and it's is sort it of the does... one that they do to the um guy, uh, the senator in the movie. Is that what he ends up being? Oh, well, they turn him into a puddle. Nope, it's it's not that either. It's not the okay, not the same. Thing. Yeah, he doesn't dissolve into a puddle or anything. He, okay, um, his power is immo- immov- immovability. I don't know how oh, to. Okay. I don't know how else to to say that. Like so you can't like plants, just yeah, get him out he, of the way. Yeah, he plants his feet on the ground. He cannot be moved unless he wants to be. It's like a. It's almost like a gravity manipulation kind of thing. Mm. Um, he also does happen to be a big fat guy. He uh, is, which yes. Is maybe sort of tied in with his powers because he has like a degree of um, invulnerability. Also, like you can mm-hmm. you can punch him, you can claw him, you can blast him. It, it doesn't really hurt him. Um, so he, I don't know. He's 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 always been pretty vaguely defined as as far as his powers. I felt like other than he cannot be moved once he decides he is he, he ain't going nowhere which which right. we do see at one point colossus we do um, mm-hmm. as a little has a little dust up with him um 
but yeah, the, I mean, again, these are just more named characters that we're getting within the first few minutes here of this episode. Um, you know, Pyro and Blob were, were then members of um, Freedom Force, which was in the comics. Mystique was their leader at this point. Oh, and really? they were the former, yeah, the former Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the second hmm. generation of Brotherhood of Evil Mutants that she had taken over. And then um, she conned the government into uh giving them contracts basically so um they are actually contracted government employees at this point uh rather than being it's sort of a suicide squad type of type of uh, gotcha so uh that was sort of like a form of restitution i guess that they um were working on anyway um juggernaut is not a mutant no, he is, however, yeah, part of this crew with Magneto. Uh, they never do say though in the in this episode one way or another whether he's a mutant or not. It is, all but he's Xavier's brother. Yeah, they, and they do mention that at least. Um, so it's sort of like, oh, well, that's. It seems very random. How is he not a mutant? His powers um, are magical in nature. They uh, they come from a mystic gem huh. of all things. Yeah. They, uh, okay. Yep, I don't know much about is. Juggernaut's backstory, so maybe yeah, I'll get so that along the course. Of I the, think but... you know more often than not that gets ignored in in other media. It's like just make him a mutant because it's easier, right? Why? Why would you not? Um, yeah, I never well, imagined that he wasn't a mutant, especially yeah. with Professor X being his brother. Right. Yeah. It's like okay, so what's the deal there? But um. Yeah, that's his stepbrother, which they do mention. Uh, but it's it's so random that you figure, all right, well, if this thing becomes a full series, I guess we'll get the story on that at uh-huh. some point. It's just sort of thrown out there and and it leaves you hanging. Um, but yeah, Toad, I mean, longtime affiliation with Magneto. He's the one sort of original OG Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh member here with alongside magneto but um you know we're not getting again from that that first generation there's no quicksilver there's no scarlet witch there's no again mastermind you've you've got really emma frost filling in for for that character i feel like and then the rest of it is fleshed out by mystique's crew minus mystique um mm-hmm. plus the no juggernaut. mystique in this so, yes no mystique in this you wonder if she may be could have been included later i know she was in the game she was in the uh the, the arcade game so i feel like maybe there was there was a thought to again if this became a series she would come up come in at some point i feel like and not really um, a character but a, a major uh i don't even really know what to call it device tech uh of the of the show and really all of x-men Laura cerebro um, Cerebro, yes. Uh, Professor right. X to identify other mutants across yep. the whole planet, which is a very important um, thing, especially if it becomes part of Magneto's plan. <laughs> and which it yeah, doesn't. which is it's a little bit weird. We do get the the explanation of what Cerebro is used for, so that that is included again within that whirlwind, like five minute. <laughs> opening um you know kitty as the point of view character it, it allows for a lot of this exposition Jenny. it does um absolutely so we get all that but the MacGuffin here is something called the 
cerebro mutant power circuit, which mm-hmm. I just took that to mean, okay, this is the thing that when used in conjunction with cerebro, it boosts your mutant powers. So when Magneto, excuse me, when Professor X is using cerebro, this mutant power circuit is going to boost his telepathy that allows him to discover all these other mutants out there in the world, right? Um, including Kitty Pride. But when Magneto uses it, he is not using it with Cerebro. He just wants the power circuit mm-hmm. to similarly amplify his abilities uh, because what he wants to do is change the the trajectory of a comet called scorpio scorpio that's the a scorpio badass comet. name for a comet it, holy it shit. is a cool name yeah for a comet um so he wants to put that comet on a collision course uh with the earth which um we are flat out told is going to if not necessarily kill all the humans destroy, yeah and all the mutants will survive Okay, right, I don't think that's right. how that works, Magneto. I don't think but that's okay. how that works either. I think it's going to kill mutants a lot of still need, too. like, you know, sunshine and, like, food. <laughs> Apparently not, right? <laughs> I think like, the what idea... What the fuck is he talking yeah. about? I think the idea is that, okay, well, this will be a mass extinction event, I'll grant you. But whatever mutants um, survive and, and whatever new life rises from the ashes of this, they must... Will be a mutant. They Thanks. must be mutants, right? Yeah. It, it will like force it will, like, crazy, be a forced y'all. evolutionary event. Yeah. So he, he's gonna force, I guess, the, the evolution of the species by killing all existing human and presumably plant and animal life on the planet for the most part. Again, ranting lunatic magneto, right? This is mm-hmm. not the guy who has any degree of nobility. Um to him that we're going to find again in that later no. animated There's scene. no subtlety to this. There is no subtlety to this guy. No. He he is a psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, one character we have not yet named because he does not go by a name in this is the uh, diminutive dragon on Magneto's That's base, right. mm-hmm. Asteroid M, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's going to, you know, take control of this... Uh, this comet, uh, for some reason, we're not told why. There, there's a little dragon running around in the background, you know, just causing a ruckus. Um, this is Lockheed. Lockheed is, uh, again, from the comics. Um, and he is, in fact, a little dragon that uh, takes a liking to Kitty Pride. She becomes his pet dragon for years to come. <laughs> Uh, she does pick him up in an outer space adventure with the X-Men. So there you go. You're getting you're getting Kitty and her mm-hmm. pet dragon here in this pilot. Um, so he actually uh, low-key saves the day, <laughs> right? Because he does. Uh, Lockheed bites Magneto uh, in the calf. Might have taken out an Achilles there, you know, <laughs> uh, which allows Kitty to get the drop, Kitty of all characters, right? To get right. the drop on Magneto. The stowaway, uh, who they told her to stay on the planet. They told her, yeah. Be involved in the fight. It was mm-hmm. her first day, so I kind of get it. Like She's new here, yeah. Yeah, she's definitely <laughs> new, but she definitely stows 
on board the ship and then of mm-hmm. course professor x knows that she's there and calls yeah. her out and i was like hey yeah, right what are you doing she's like i have to help and this dragon has to help me <laughs> Well, she's lucky that dragon helped her. She is I don't lucky. Know what, she what the hell shit. she was going to do otherwise? Um, but that forces the they they force Magneto back onto the platform where he does his his little um, takeover of, of the comet from. And now, uh, because he is back in position, they're they're going to use his power to, I guess, shift the orbit of of that comet once again, so that it's not going to hit the Earth. But oh shit, now it is going to hit asteroid m which all of our heroes are aboard so that's a problem mm-hmm. um gotta make a break for that real quick but uh you know because this this um outfit was damaged so badly nightcrawler oh no must stay behind mm-hmm. uh ensure that the that he completes the circuit because if if he bails um too quickly and that that mutant power circuit stops working then the the comet will shift back into its previous trajectory and destroy the earth. for the earth yes yeah uh, a little bit convoluted but i think they get the idea across um mm-hmm. effectively enough so nightcrawler got to stay behind make the big sacrifice which pays off uh kitty's earlier fear of his uh very inhuman appearance right he startled her earlier in the earlier in the episode made her freak out also, that that is uh, something that's borrowed from the comics. She mm-hmm. initially was very frightened um, because, I mean he he looks like a straight up demon. Let's oh let's yeah, not he looks fucking scary as hell. Yeah, it looks very um, as compared to the other X Men who, let's say, despite their powers, would pass for everyday you know human beings. Um, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler does does not have that kind of privilege, right? He he looks the way he looks. He's got a physical mutation as well as his, his ability to teleport. But um, teleport, indeed, he does just in the nick of time. Uh, however, it looks like he's going to burn up in the atmosphere. That's that's no good. But um, he does manage to uh, teleport once again back into the Blackbird, which is flying around in yeah. space, by the way. Um, right. But I do think that is an established property of of that uh that vehicle so good enough uh and we reconcile now kitty of course who feels terrible for you know her her behavior towards him earlier yeah for yeah gives him a big hug treating him like a freak treating him like a freak exactly and which is uh, that's our it's basically what x-men is like in my Mm -hmm. mind it's always it's it's equivalent to most groups of people who feel not appreciated and looked down on. And mm-hmm. it's like an allegory for a lot of different um, yeah, it's, it's types people of people who are thought of as, as less than or less capable. Definitely um, not as a result of something completely beyond their ability their to control. control. And, exactly. and there's no there's no reasoning behind this discrimination, right? I mean, right. in the case of... They're different. You do twist They're that weird. a little They're bit. Yeah, because there is something to the idea that, okay, well, realistically, if people had these very unpredictable, in many cases, uncontrollable destructive powers, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there is like a public 
health safety right. issues right. to that. But at the heart of it, it's, yeah, people who are different through no fault or choice of their own and are heavily discriminated against. And, right. you know, here is basically this this character and Kitty Pride are our point of view character, as we said, who is judging Nightcrawler harshly. She doesn't mean to necessarily, but mm-hmm. she can't help but find him very standoffish. And yet, you know, he's going to be the guy who saves the day. And exactly. she's she's very embarrassed that, that she thought less of him in any way um, as a consequence of this. And in fact, she is quite heartbroken when it it looks like he has died at the end of this mm-hmm. episode, which mm-hmm. that's a good fake out that they, they do. Which is pretty cool how they insulate that even that same feeling of, sh- you know, being shunned even within mm-hmm. the X-Men, you know. Yeah, not, yeah. You know, not the villains here aren't, you know, aren't the only ones who feel shunned. Even within the X-Men, you have somebody like Nightcrawler. You have these dynamics, get, yeah. Get shunned by Kitty Pride, who feels shunned by her when they drop her off. You know, the cabbie drops her off. Oh, yeah. He says, mansion. Mm-hmm. It just says, this place creeps me out. Like, yeah. Peels the off. fuck yeah. out of there. You know, so it's it's just a place for different people. And and yep. even she has that capacity to feel that, you know, what is this for? And to her, she, she's like this, this cab driver, right? She's human. Exactly. She's like, I'm not one of right. them. Right. And now but by she the end, totally she's... Is she's found her her people essentially mm-hmm. and so it accomplished again that's i mean that's kind of heavy and thematic stuff but right it is something that this is very successful i think in, in getting across over the course of these 22 minutes um there's not so a too. ton spent on the whole conflict between humans and mutants you know yeah yeah it's a setup for it like we get mm-hmm. you know the stuff with the military obviously mm-hmm. magneto has an established reputation and rap sheet i guess i mean he's literally being transported as a prisoner um and i and i think the you know the military guys talk about how you know he's a mutant freak and all this stuff mm-hmm. so Obviously, that tension does exist, even if mm-hmm. the focus, the, the central conflict itself is like mutant on mutant. Um, mm-hmm. It is it is letting you know that, hey, this is a part of the world that in this hypothetical series, we we can explore and, and really do something with. Uh, to so me, it, that's part of there. the, right. It's part of the appeal of the X-Men really is that whole, um, the otherness of it right mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. the yeah. how the mutants feel and how you know in the movies they want registration for mutants and um, sure they know. want to know who the dangers are in their society which does feel valid but then you also have the x-men's part of it which is like this is how i was this is how i am you know i i I didn't ask for this ability and I could actually mm-hmm. use it to help you if you would not be such an absolute dick to me all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. And have, and instead of putting me 
on a list, uh, putting me behind bars or putting me in the ground, give me some resources instead. Exactly. Yeah. Something like, why does, why doesn't Xavier school where we are teaching people have to, how to control their, these potentially dangerous ability why does that have to be something that's done in secret right right why is and, it and it's just a, because it should be the yeah, norm. it should be the norm like there should be centers like that all over the place that to help again to help people not just in service to the public but in service to mm-hmm. these individuals themselves, themselves right exactly but and, then that's uh, where you get somebody like magneto who would use right. those powers to hurt people um, based yeah. on his own kind of legitimate reasons that yeah, sometimes yeah, you know we find out based on media, but um, he mm-hmm. has his own reasons to feel the way that he feels. So there's just so many layers in X Men, and that's what I love about it. Like I just I love the characters. The powers are so fun. The villains are awesome. Um, yeah. This animated series in particular, I just love the look of it, and I'm so excited to start this. Honestly, I'm I've since Disney Plus, um, I've wanted to revisit the whole animated series anyway. So I'm just like, I can't wait to get into all these cool themes and really just I know the whole I'm really weirdness. I'm really it. excited. Yeah, and it you know it's like. As far as this pilot itself, um, it's as sort of shaky as some of that voice acting is. Um, yes, it's dated. Yeah, the theme song is a little. Uh, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I do think it kind of gets the characters. Like this I has some so. major, major hurdles up against it right away. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. It's twenty-two minutes, and we're throwing fifteen characters at the screen here mm-hmm. again, and. Not just characters, but concepts of this this entire world, how it works, what even is a mutant, where do they live, all of their their equipment, just all the stuff from the comics. Right? It's just tons and tons and tons of baggage, and this should be an absolute shit show, right? This should be mm-hmm. a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be like what? How? Like narratively, it, it shouldn't even fit together, and. The fact that they have constructed something that is in any way coherent is is maybe rushed along as it is, I think is impressive. Um I think it is too. I enjoyed it a lot. And I think the the writing, the plot is mm-hmm. it's it's not any great shakes by today's standards, I suppose. Yeah, but compared basic, to other well, and also compare it to other action cartoons of 1989. I think it is right. leaps and bounds mm-hmm. above something like, I mean, I know people love Transformers. I know people love G.I. Joe. But I, I think this is head and shoulders, writing-wise, above those types of, of cartoons. You know what I mean? I would agree. I would definitely Um and that's just not that's not me being like an X-Men apologist and snob. I, I really do just think. A little bit, but not. Well, well, I'm sure it is a little bit, but I, you know, <laughs> just compare the writing and something like this to there is a a level of sophistication that just isn't present in those other mm-hmm. those other shows. I mean, I, I'm sorry, it's, it's just there's not. It's so, um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is kind of an achievement for for what it is. Um, as curious as it and it's weird a, a watch as it sort of is on its own. Um, 
there was maybe something here. Like, I don't know that I would have um, disliked it had they continued in this direction and, and gotten like a full series mm-hmm. order. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was just not going to happen because I know that right after this, Marvel's um, parent company, which was at the time New World Entertainment, they started having big time cash flow problems. Mm. So they cut the budget of uh, Marvel production significantly. So mm. even if one of the, the networks had come along and they were interested and said, eh, yeah, I like this pilot. Give me a full season of uh, X-Men. I don't think Marvel productions could have, I don't think they had the resources to deliver on that after, you know, just the financial difficulties of the, the parent company. I mean, Marvel would then ultimately get sold um, and go through uh, just a, a series of owners uh, throughout the nineties. That is a real shit show and a podcast in its own right as well. Um, so it just, it had too many things working against it, but um, right. in another, in another world, I, I don't know that uh, I would have hated this. I, there's, there is something to it. It's, um, I think we're Except better for off the Australian for accent. Got. That you know, I think we could have yeah. maybe changed that quietly. Just changed <laughs> that, right? Let's not do this. We'll recast that one. Um, All right. So, what do we have to look forward to um, going forward on this pod? What What's uh, episode one looking like? Well, um, our first official episode of the podcast. Again, this is episode zero, a sneak preview. Appropriately enough, a sneak preview because we will be talking about the actual premiere of X-Men the Animated Series from 1992. It was um, promoted itself as a sneak preview uh, on Halloween morning, uh, uh, October 31st, 1992, Saturday morning. Get get the first, be first in line to see our our new hit show, X-Men. Right. So mm-hmm. all the kids are lined up to, to see what this is about. It is Night of the Sentinels, part one. That's what we're going to be covering. Um, nice. We will just be talking part one in that episode, just because, again, there's just a lot here that, lot to that we want to chew on beyond just the episode itself. Right. Mm-hmm. As we get more into this, it'll be more, hey, here was the episode because the show is the show now. But, um, right. So some of our our it's podcast a journey to episode, get there. Right. We'll cover a couple of episodes of the TV yes, show, but some of do, them yes. will be one or this, one uh, of yeah. two or whatever. X Men the animated series has a number of two parters. It has two parters. Right. Some of them. It will, has we, a we four parter. It has a five parter. Yeah. So right. we're we're yeah. gonna some of those two parters we're just gonna do as one episode because it's like right. It's just one story, right? And there's not, not to say there's not a lot of meat on the bone, but it's just, for the ones that it doesn't make sense to separate, we're not going to separate. I'll put it that okay. way. So it'll be um, um, kind of, just kind of, really as Tim's discretion, because he knows this stuff as well <laughs> as he does, and he has formatted how we should watch everything, and I trust Well, yeah, him. as you know, I, I'm not always huge on formatting uh the podcast that i do mm-hmm. i like to keep things fairly loose but this is one where there there just sort of has to be an organizational aspect behind it i would um, agree 
is as much as that can feel like work. But my my goal is to keep it fun, to keep it as fun as pop, to keep it informative but fun. At the end of the day, um, to that end, we we will be joined. I don't know by exactly who or how many, but <laughs> again, we've had a lot of interest um, from folks who just want to participate, get in on this thing. So again, the, the aforementioned um, rotating hosts, uh, co-hosts that we'll have, we will have in tow. Again, I don't know their names right now. I don't know how many, but we'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, I, I, we got to put a cap on it, right? <laughs> At some point. We, we do, have but reach out people. though. Reach out <laughs> if you want to be on the show. Just reach out so we can kind of add you along as we go. Yeah, um, we, we sort of have a, a brain trust, so to speak. Um, right. But we, we would not think of uh, the folks we're having, in addition to ourselves, as guests. It's it's more like co-hosts. Uh, so just right. think of it as, you know, I don't think we're going to have any one-time only appearances short of, hey, maybe we'll do an interview with somebody who was involved in the making of this thing. How about that? Yeah. That would be a guess. That would be a guest. <laughs> Let's tease <laughs> some shit we can't do. But okay. Tease some shit out. And uh, again, so next episode, Night of the Sentinels Part 1. Um, we'll get a few episodes deep into the series. And then we'll do the first movie. We'll drop that on you. And uh, just go from there. That'll, that'll pretty much cover it. Uh, as far as when you can expect the show to come out, Jenny, um, this is a special exclusive episode zero. Um, okay. We don't have exactly a timetable or, or recording date for uh, for episode one of, of the series mm-hmm. proper. But I would just say look for it uh, coming your way very soon. Um, and very beyond soon. that, we think, yeah, we think about every, probably about every three weeks. Um more frequently than monthly, like but that. less less frequently than weekly. How about that? Like Does that make sense? What I said. More frequently than, like than monthly. Yeah, less frequently than weekly. Whenever okay. the fuck we want to. How about it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, pretty regularly, right? I mean, it's not like there's gonna be huge gaps, huge breaks here, because this. I don't think this is gonna be a real labor-intensive show to do. Quite frankly, no, um, it's not, not meant to be. Certainly not meant it, to be. I want to um, make it fun. Absolutely. It's the got most to be fun. fun. At the end of the day, we are and focused stuff on about fun. X-Men. Mm-hmm. Kind of. All right. Um, so, Jenny, you have any parting thoughts either on this episode or the show or our way forward? Our way forward is going to be amazing. I'm super excited about it. And uh, I would just encourage anybody who is listening to follow North South Connection on all of the uh, social medias, the Facebook, the X, Twitter, whatever you call it now, um, TikTok and beyond. Uh, Follow all of our, on YouTube especially because we have a lot of video podcasts now. So you Mm -hmm. can see our pretty faces on YouTube if you would like to. And listen to, especially on Wednesdays, where you can find all of my shows. So I do uh, GC Dub, a game-changing podcast. And I do Talking Docs, which goes over uh, documentaries. And um, and then I have some cool stuff going on um, on 
place to be. I have uh, Talking WCW and PTB NXT. So those are cool wrestling mm. shows that you can listen to if you're into wrestling. Uh, what about That's you, right. Tim? Well, I am on those two wrestling shows with you, Jenny. Um, so I would encourage folks to check them out if they are wrestling fans. Again, Talking WCW and PTB NXT on the place to be wrestling network um i'm really jenny enjoying being back here on the north south connection with mm-hmm. a a regular presence so to speak because um i think folks may know me from uh from talking pop that we do together as well mm-hmm. um through the jenny position um they may have become acquainted with me through a show called 9021 no so which started right here on the North-South Connection. That is myself and JT Rosero. You know, pretty similar to this this uh, here X-Men podcast. We are taking the original Beverly Hills 90210 uh, retrospective and review approach going episode by episode there. Again, the show is called 90210 No-So. It started on this network. Now it is on its own feed. It's been on its own feed for some time. But if you're a fan of that... Um, Go check it out. Just search 9021NOSO in your preferred podcatcher app. If you're a comics fan and want more, I don't know, comics-related content, uh, you might check out our affiliate, Place to Be Nation Pop, where I do a show called Traders of the Lost Arcs. It is basically myself and some friends talking old comic book storylines. Uh, some forgotten a little bit overlooked some hidden gems maybe um just really an excuse for us to talk old comics there uh, on traders of the lost arcs uh that's about it for my purposes uh you'll find me on x twitter you know as much as i love the x men i hate the <laughs> i hate the renamed twitter I didn't even think of that. <laughs> stupid and sucks stupid and sucks twitter.com no um, where I am psych six eight C Y K E six eight uh on I'm still gonna call it Twitter. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. That was awesome. Thank well, you. I've so had a great time, Jenny. Yeah, me too. Thank uh, you. I can't wait to continue along with this. And um <laughs> I know. I, I kind of just want to keep going, right? I know I too. And then I was trying to think of like a cool X-Men way to like sign off. And then all I can hear in my brain is Magneto going, is that what they say? <laughs> oh, that's what they say. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a way to end a podcast. But that's all I hear is Magneto saying that. So uh you and I, uh, you and I kind of are Magneto and Mystique from X2. We kind of are. Sitting uh, in the back, being bitchy, making fun bitchy, of people. just constantly and trying to murder the world we love what you've done with your hair (laughs) such an asshole but thanks for listening and we love what you've done with your hair